0: Welcome to the final ATP Tennis Radio podcast from here in Miami, where a new champion has been crowned.
1: Settles himself once again, Hubert Hercatch. Point away from the biggest title of his career. Championship point reaches up, serves, gets the serve in. The forehand's in play. The forehand plays through the the middle of the court. It's deep from Herkatch. It's deep again off the forehand wing. The backhand from Herkatch Cross court to the backhand from Sinner. Slightly flatter. The backhand from Herkatch stops at the service line. Backhand to backhand they go. Championship point from Hubert Hercatch. Redirected from Sinner. Forehand cross court from Hercatch. Up the line from Sinner. Stretch from Hercatch. Backhand cross court from the Italian. The slice from the pole. The slice from the Italian. The slice from the pole down the line finds the line. It doesn't find the line from Sinner and it's game set in championship to Hubert Herkacz. He wins the biggest title of his career. He is the new world number 16 and he is the first Polish player to win a master's title. What a performance, what a week from Hubert Herkacz. He is your champion in Miami, beating Yannick Sinner in an 43 minutes and
0: straight sets, 7-6, 6-4. Ubi, wow, you are a Masters 1000 champion. The first pole to do that in men's singles. How does that feel?
2: Yeah, I mean, it feels incredible. I mean, it's uh, tough, uh, tough for me to say anything now, but I mean, I'm so happy and uh, yeah. You led that second set for love.
0: He came back, he was playing better and better. How yeah. important was that hold at 4-3?
2: Yeah, I mean that was a huge game, I mean I was a little bit nervous, I mean I had opportunities to get a triple break and serve for it and then Yannick started to hit the ball really well and yeah, I mean he's an amazing competitor and I mean it was was, uh, was uh, so happy that I came through it. And then finally serving for the match, talk to me about how heavy that racket felt, was that tough? Yeah, I mean like the balls felt slow when I wanted to serve so like... Uh, Yeah, I mean, obviously, like at that point, like you really want to get a couple of free points. And I mean, Yannick's amazing returner. So, I mean, it was was a tough game there.
0: Still unbeaten in Florida this year. Talk to us a little bit about all the hard work that you've done, you know, to to feel so good out here.
2: Yeah, I mean, last year I spent here like almost half a year. I mean, I was practicing in the like the hottest weather because like during like spring and summer here. So, that helped me a lot like playing now in Florida, especially in this like pretty tough conditions here because it was like a little bit slow here and there was the wind was uh, blowing like from side to side sometimes. So like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge.
0: Just finally 16 in the world on Monday. How much confidence does that give you going to Europe and the clay?
2: Yeah, I mean, so pumped, Like it gives me extra motivation and extra belief in myself. So I mean, super happy. Huge congratulations to Hubi Herkatch
0: on a maiden Masters 1000 victory, and that clearly was the first topic up for discussion when ATP Tennis Radio's Gigi Salmon looked back at the event with her co-commentator Miles McLaggen.
1: The biggest title of his career, the third title of his career, and Miles a straight sets win over Yannick Sinner, a worthy winner in Huber Herkatch.
3: He certainly was. He's. I've liked this game for a long time and it's you know, it's good to see him coming through in a big event. I think he could hardly <laughs> hardly believe it. But um and you know the final w- was a little different it threw up I think most of us were, were going for cinema we saw the the tennis that he'd played this week some spectacular tennis but just shows you know into uncharted territory and I'm sure he'll he'll be here again but uh, didn't maybe quite um play his best today but uh you know or won't mind that he's a uh, got the trophy to hoist aloft. But
1: Look at the players that he beat to get here. Yes, he had a bye like all the seeds did. He was a 26 seed in the first round. Then it was Dennis Kudler. Then it was a six seed, Dennis Shapovalov. Then he came from a set down to beat the 12 seed, Milos Raonic, who was really out on his feet in these conditions. Then it was the second seed, Stefanos Tsitsipas. Again, he came from a set down. And then to reach the final, he had to defeat andre rublev the fourth seed which he did in straight sets
3: he got there the honest way didn't he yes as he said some some great names and, and he talked afterwards about the the six months he'd, he'd spent training in florida right through the spring and the summer heat and ha- how that helped him so you know no no one's handed in this uh, title by in, any way shape or form and uh, b- boy there were some there were some nervy moments today he, he obviously he sort of stole that uh, second set at the end. The Sinner surf for it and uh, he was able to, to break back and, and it was it was a little scrappy. It was windy today at times and I don't think either player played their best and well we wondered at times in that second set if three breaks was, was going to be well he never quite got to three breaks. He had the break points and couldn't quite get it and there were certainly nerves and he sort of it, it was, uh, you know, Sinner was closing in on, on him fast. But, yeah, guts, determination and and the discipline to get across the line in the end.
1: Her catch is 10-0 in Florida this year with yeah. that Delray Beach title. He's the first player this year. I know we're still at the early stages, but the first player with two titles this season. And a big thing for him this week especially was his serve. Now, only three aces in today's final, but that gives him 54 for the tournament, and in a number of his matches, it was the difference.
3: He, he's a big guy, and, and he generates easy power off, off all his shots. And you can you can add to those aces a, a number of cheap points. And boy, he needed a serve at the end. There, he he didn't get the aces, but he was able to open the court up. So, but I, I think he's a player as a center. He, he's got weapons all over the place. We we look at some of the some of the greats, and it's it's not easy to put together a game plan because they don't have holes in their game. And uh, you could say the same for both of these players. Her catch included he's a good athlete. So many of these big guys get themselves around the court so well. So you know, you know, perhaps at times it's the it's the mental side, maybe the, the absolute belief that's um that hasn't quite been there for at times. And you know this is you would hope a, a big stepping stone in that.
1: Her catch in the new rankings is the world number 16. In terms of Yannick Sinner, 19 years of age, he was on his debut in Miami. It was just the third Masters event he's contested and the first on a hard court. He moves from, what, 31 to 22 in the world with this run. But what did you make of of his performance, not just today, but throughout the tournament?
3: Well, throughout, it's been absolutely stunning. It's, it's, I've seen, obviously, in, in bits and pieces, but. We saw a lot of his matches this week and the, the ball striking is is phenomenal. It's it's it really um, you raise your eyebrows when you see some of the shots he hit, and you just don't think they're on. And, and the way he comes forward, is, his game is complete. And we we talk so much, and perhaps a little too much about you know how how calm and uh, mentally how mentally strong he is. Because I think today was was perhaps just a, a little step too far. He he certainly didn't um, play his best tennis. But you know perhaps he was getting tired. Nineteen years of age, you still need to put that um, physical mental and emotional sort of endurance in the bank you've, you've got to go through that situation and he'll learn from it but um, I think I think he'll be a little dissatisfied with today 's performance but you know in the long run that could be the best thing for him just a, you know another reason to come back and just work a bit harder and you know I, I don't think he's that sort of character, but we've seen players in the past who kind of think, well, I've, I've kind of done it now. I can sit back and, you know, I, I know how to do these things. But, you know, he'll you'd imagine he'll go back and, and keep working and keep getting better.
1: And he said ahead of this final that he prioritises development over trophies. He's only played 69 career matches. He's still He's still so new at all this. Yeah.
3: He really is as Coach pointed out to Riccardo Piatti, that he he's never actually even played at Wimbledon. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes that na- naivety is, is a good thing, isn't it? You come out and you swing, but yeah, he'll he'll learn about himself as well, how to how to make sure he finds the best performances all the time. But he's doing so much so well already. I mean, every area of his game is is a weapon. Just about it, he come. Came forward as decisively as as anybody I've seen. Maybe barring Federer, who gets in, gets in a, a lot. But the serve is big, the returns, and and we all just marvelled. You know, looking back at a couple of the matches, he was, um, he was he was nearly out of it against uh, what is all sorts of troubles against Bublik. He was in trouble against Hachanov. He was he was dead, on his legs at the end of the second set. Found a way through that. So also, you know, that champion's heart of just the survival instinct kicking in.
1: Yep, he's already a titleist this year, winning Melbourne One, the Great Ocean Road. And we have to remember that two years ago, this time two years ago, he was the world number 322 and he was playing in Futures in Italy and he's just contested his first Masters final on his debut in Miami. And there was glowing praise from tournament director James Blake at the end saying he didn't do it today, but I have a feeling your name's going to be read out an awful lot of times over the course of your career. So with Miami now done i think the first thing is it's wonderful that we have completed a master because times continue to be difficult with the pandemic still taking a grip in parts of the world but from a tennis point of view what are you taking away from these 10 days at the miami masters
3: for me, it was the tournament of the young guys emerging. Um, again, saw a lot of Sinner, saw um, a lot of Corder as well, and just so impressed again with his mentality and, and how complete his game is. He's uh, aggressive off the forehand. The backhand's just just a beautiful shot. He's a big guy. He also gets himself around the court. He, he was tough, his particularly his match against um, Schwartzman. He had to, to dig in there. Um, so he's really impressive. And then, of course, the, the young Finn Rousseau, who, who beats Zverev and I think a, a tournament for Zverev that again will be a bit frustrating but hopefully force him to come, come back stronger again and yeah the young Finn really played an aggressive all-court game and Bublik as well not so young but the Maverick perhaps he'll be inspired enough to show up uh, at the end of these tournaments and uh, p- possibly one last sort of uh, abiding memory was medvedev hobbling around with the cramps i mean that was a wasn't particularly nice to watch but against you know popper and he somehow he got through he looked as though he was about to just shut down at any minute he couldn't walk but the serve got him across the line
1: (laughs) that was that was uh, we did see the heat effect yeah an awful lot of people a number of players finding it difficult to breathe yeah. to, to continue I mean at, at times you're talking about 80% humidity yeah. and then the temperature in the mid
3: 80s it dropped a bit towards the end didn't yeah. it but the first few days yes players really um, struggled with, with temperatures high 30 and then the humidity on top as you say and you know we, we saw Players often sort of anything from 45 minutes to an hour and a half and really, really struggle with the the physical conditions.
1: And we did talk about this being an opportunity because the headlines pre tournament were who wasn't going to be there rather than who would be there. And it was an opportunity for someone else to stick their head up and say, hey, look at me, including a number of those young players that you highlighted.
3: Yeah, certainly wasn't. I mean, you know, we had obviously Djokovic, Federer and and Nadal missing. But I I think... um, and I repeat myself, you know, we're going to be seeing some drama without those guys. We, of course we'll miss them, but then, you know, we, at one time we missed uh, Johnny Mack and then we missed Agassi and then we missed Roddick and, and, and you know, eventually it'll come when we miss those guys. But, you know, the end of that, because they haven't been there before, there was nerves from the middle of that second set for for her catch. There was drama because, you know, three on the verge of three breaks up, but no guarantee he was going to get across the line. So we're going to be seeing drama. We're going to see players maybe fold, tighten up, comebacks. So we're going to see all sorts. I think um, you know, we've got plenty of good stuff to look forward to.
0: Thanks to Gigi Salmon and Miles McLaggen. And remember, you can join them and the rest of the team for live coverage of the Rolex Monte Carlo Masters on ATP Tennis Radio, starting on Monday, the 12th of April.
1: You're listening to the
0: ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Let's turn our attention back to the Miami finalists now and the rapid rise of pole Hubert Hercatch, who, having won in Delray Beach earlier this year, remains unbeaten in Florida in 2021.
4: Coach Craig Boynton has been alongside him every step of the way. I think the the process for Hubie is, 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 you know, he wants everything so quickly. Uh, but I see things uh, coming in form slowly, which is, which is good. A wise man told me once, if you ga- gather things slowly, you, will, you can lose them slowly, obviously, if you gather them fast. So I am, I am more of the, the 1% a day uh, slow, and he's starting to really understand and see the court. Uh, for the benefits of his game and what he needs to do uh, every day, both on the tournament court and also on the practice court.
0: So when he wins a tournament, presumably you're trying to put the brakes on afterwards, or that must just be great for a young kid's confidence?
4: Well, everyone develops at their own rate. And so, like I said, everyone wants it yesterday, especially with things going now. You see the under 25 uh, age group and how well they're doing. Uh, You know, Hubie looks and says, you know, I want that, I want that, and he'll eventually get there at uh, at the pace and uh, the time, you know, who knows, but it's just all about putting the work in and being present for that moment and trying to win each individual moment. I know it sounds cliche, but when you can stay in the moment and stay now, then you're going to reach your goals that much quicker.
0: For 19-year-old Yannick Sinner, Masters' success looks a cast-iron certainty, such as being his rapid rise under the renowned tutelage of Riccardo Piatti. The veteran coach spoke recently with Barry Cowan.
5: The story is uh, quite interesting about uh, Yannick, because uh, uh, before to come in Bordighera, where uh, I'm living in Monte Carlo, but it's uh, 20 kilometres, I have a centre in Bordighera. And uh, he was thirteen years old, and he was playing two three times in a week and After that, he started to play every day and uh, what happened and uh, never i was not, uh, not in focus with young kids about result, but the build the game and uh, okay I saw him that he was very fast uh, in he court, uh, watching the ball very well, hit the ball. Uh, uh, and moving uh, and uh, try to win the point, uh, so all the characteristics that I like uh, to the ten- to becoming a very good tennis player and so and uh, and for two three years he played tournament, but he was not winning and that uh, but it, it doesn't care about that. Uh, he didn't play t- so much junior, and uh, we play- he played uh, um, future. Sometimes uh, he went in some future with part, the other part of the team, the older, and uh, was not in a draw and he would stay there for practice. So any time that I have a possibility, I put him uh, in a court with a good one. Uh, when I was with Raonic, uh, he was uh, 14 uh, years old, 15 years old. He practiced some time with Milos, he practiced with Djokovic, with Roger, with all these guys. But um, mentality that he has uh, is very a uh, smart guy, is very interesting uh, uh, Is um, and uh, is working a lot. He know that uh, uh, if he's working a lot, uh, he can do everything.
6: It's interesting you said that he played a lot of junior tournaments at 13, 14, mm-hmm. but he didn't really care about results, mm-hmm. which is very unusual for juniors. Uh, yes, 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 I think so. Why do you think he had that mentality? Because most of the time with juniors, oh. it, they have to win if they don't win. Then, then it's absolute car crash.
5: Yeah, for me is, uh, you know, I have a quite experience about this kind of job, and uh, I think for me uh, it's very important when our ATP pro uh, are important results because you're going to the tournament to win the tournament, but the rest is just to build the player, and uh, when he came there, I uh, explained that. Uh, I listen I have here also some sparring uh, that are uh, 15 years old uh, and for me they, uh, they already win uh, too much uh, because uh, uh, if you win when you are young uh, you are more concentrated about the result uh, instead of to build a game and I prefer in this age uh, uh, to build the game because they have no rush, because they have free, the mind is free, you know, you can eat the ball, you're not just put the ball in a court. That is my mentality, my approach. And the approach that I have is a lot during that time, improving the technical part. Yannick was working a lot about this part, about technical and about mentality. When you talk about technical, what do you mean? Technical is the first important thing for, uh, to play well tennis, good tennis, because um, if you hit the ball well, you can control the, the game, so, and, uh, so that's why I am very focused about that. Technical means using the racket in an easy way, and this is that. If you use the racket in an easy way, it's easy to hit the ball and put the ball where you want. And uh, that is my principal goal for uh, this kind of player. Also, with a pro, I work in a lot about that kind of uh, with that mentality.
6: You were saying that it was easy for you to sell it to Yannick that it was about development, but that helps when you have all the experience that you have with all the great players that you've worked with, from Ljubicic taking him to three in the world, from Raonic taking him to Wimbledon final, from Gaske, from Choric. So how have you been able to improve
5: as a coach over 30 years or so? You know, also with, the, with you're talking about this kind of player, uh, i work in a lot about technique and uh, thinking about Milos, uh, Milos uh, is great serve, or, or uh, like Ivan, a great serve. But uh, we, I work in a lot uh, to to improving that. Mm-hmm. If you thinking about the, the best, uh, you see that uh, Rafa, uh, when he was 20 or now, is playing better tennis. Uh, my simple example: watching the final of uh, Marseille when. Um, uh, Roger played, uh, and he was 20 years old, and I think he lost to Rosé or something like that. Uh, if you're watching, you don't recognize uh, Roger because he's completely different player. Uh, he improved his tennis. That's the mentality that the best player has. And so uh, that's why they, they cannot have the younger. This is my question and that's why I put uh, uh, with the younger that kind of mentality that they need uh, uh, not to win but to improve. Uh, when um, uh, I say not to win, uh, it's not mean that go in a court and just eat the ball you know. but they need to understand that uh, everything they're doing is for one project. It's not uh, okay you are uh, win you' are happy. Okay if he's in a project, uh, I'm agree. So if you eat the ball, it's very easy. Uh, it, if uh, you have a good technique, example of serve, uh, you have great serve, and then you have possibility to attack. And then I want that when, when are young they attack, like uh, what is doing now Yannick, is, uh, impone in the, his game. Then start from four years ago, and of course now what happened this year or last year. Uh, improving his body is more bigger, is more uh, strong, and uh, the res- result coming. It's a long-term plan, and it's not
6: just about you, it's about a whole team, and, and we were, you were talking to me before we started the interview, that you have the same people around them that you had for Milos, that you had for Ivan. So, you, so basically, it's, it's almost like being a very good football manager
5: or soccer manager. Uh, yeah, because uh, okay, when uh, talking about uh, the player, uh, player is very important, the team on the back. And uh, I have uh, Dalle Bolscirola, that is a fitness trainer, and uh, Claudio Zimaglia is a physio. And uh, then uh, I have uh, some uh, coaches that are working with me, like Andrea Volpini or Christian Brandi. We're working, uh, we're working together with uh, um, Yannick. Uh, important is the uh, people the person around that they have experience so because uh, uh, another important point uh, when you are young uh, is not uh, to see when they winning but when they are losing uh, if what is what uh, what is going on if it, they lose their mind uh, they become nervous uh, uh, you know the, they have no idea to practice they you know they confuse that i like uh, that kind of moment it's a- i have an example Uh, quite a good example because um, uh, Tony Nadal a few years ago um, I remember that there was one semi-final against Verdasco in Australia and Rafa won 6-4 in the fifth unbelievable match and everybody remembered that kind of match and uh, Rafa was very tired uh, for the final and uh, and, uh, Rafa and Tony I read uh, and uh, he said, listen, Rafa, you lost in, uh, in uh, I don't know, in another tournament because you start to be tired. And you spoke you are tired, you are not energy for go in, in the final match. If you think like that, you're not winning or change your mind or you're going to lose again. And in the end, uh, Rafa is changed his mind. Uh, What I want to say is that you need to educate them. I was going to ask that because so
6: often we see the champions. We see Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Murray, uh, and hopefully in years to come, we're going to be talking about the same thing as Yannick Sinner. These aren't people that have been born champions. These are people that have been nurtured. I and mean, obviously they have a very good su- su- supreme
5: talent, but they've been nurtured in the right way. I think they, they have a sure talent, but the, the people around them they could educate them about to explain they really think uh, in tennis. You know, uh, tennis is sport, but you need to educate them uh, when they play match. And they need to know what, uh, is, what is going on, you know, if you do something or not. Example: uh, Another example is Yannick. Yannick, of course, he wants to become a very good player, but is not born for that. Uh, he's working uh, more than the other pl- player that I had before. So he's young, but he's working a lot. Uh, OK, example uh, that I uh, I explained to Yannick, in 2005 I was working uh, with uh, Nole Djokovic and I was uh, in New York and uh, eh, Nole had uh, 18 years old. He beat uh, Ancic and Mofis and then I lost to Verdasco. And uh, I asked to Yannick uh, if he know how, after how many years he won the uh, US Open. And uh, he won after seven years so and i tell yannick if you have for seven years this kind of energy in your mind to practice to be angry to becoming very good you have possibility one day to win one slam if you have not you're not coming that's the difference between the good one this kind of okay they play well baby but for me it's unbelievable you know that uh, uh rafa uh, it was uh, injury, and then is coming back more stronger. That's is uh, okay. Is not talent. Is education. Is mentality education. That is uh, more that we. I think we uh, with the younger. You need to push.
0: That mentality has been tested in different ways here in Miami, with the players operating inside a COVID bubble once again. But tournament director James Blake, the
7: former world number four, has tried to keep things as normal. As possible, I've heard positive things. I mean, obviously, I'm biased, but I keep hearing that it's uh, it's the best uh, of a bubble that it can be, and they're happy with the hotels, they're happy with the field out here, and being able to uh, to kind of move around and, and have things to do, even though they're in this protective environment. So, um, I've been hearing a lot of positives. Um, you know, maybe at the end of the event, we'll hear if I, if I get some negatives too. But right now, I'm hearing a lot of positives, which is uh, which is actually somewhat rare. <laughs> You're the
0: tournament director, but you're also a former player, of course. What have been your highlights of of the tournament so far on the court?
7: Uh, Well, I mean, I'm a player. I'm also an American, so seeing four Americans in the round of 16, uh, first time in a long time for that, and then Seb Corda. I mean, what he's been doing is is absolutely incredible. Um, Just 20 years old and um, really sort of rising to the occasion. To me, it reminds me of when Andy Roddick uh, sort of burst onto the scene here, beating Pete Sampras uh, in the Miami Open many years ago, and um, sort of his welcome to the world of, of, of being a top player and I think for Seb Korda that's happening to him he's been talked about for the last year or so as someone that could break through and here he's done it on one of the biggest stages and, and I think he's going to ride that And he doesn't look phased by it. the same way Andy didn't look phased by it when it happened to him it was almost like he knew it was going to happen it was just a matter of time and with Seb it seems like that's uh that's the same scenario he's not rushing to do it he's just doing it at his own pace and seeming comfortable
0: He's put his parents in a tricky situation too because they were due to fly out to see his sisters play golf, weren't they?
7: Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's a very, very good problem to have is that you got a son in the quarterfinals of the Miami Open and two daughters in uh, an LPGA major. So, you know, you, you pick maybe split up. Maybe one goes one, one stays here. I don't know. I don't know how you make that decision, flip a coin. But either way, it's, it's pretty impressive, and I hope they have tons and tons of pride uh, in, in their kids. One quarterfinalist
0: over the age of 25, Mm -hmm. how does that change the dynamic of the latter stages of your tournament?
7: Well, I think it's exciting because there's, um, you know, on the men's side, it's been sort of dominated for so long with Novak, Rafa, Roger, Andy Murray. Um, They've really dominated the sport. And so now without any of them here, we've got the new kids that are arriving. They're the... and to see who's going to step up, who's going to make their mark. you got some really young players in Sinner and Seb Korda. That's exciting. And who's going to, who's going to uh, be the one to take over that mantle that Roger and Rafa and Novak have held for so long?
0: James Blake there. And as he mentioned, one of the standout players here in singles and in doubles has been young American Seb Korda. I spent some time away from the court with the
8: 20-year-old who was clearly very much
0: at ease in his surroundings
8: i guess i love south florida just in general i had a really good result in, in delray at the beginning of the year and and then uh and then coming here and, and winning matches it's a it's a nice feeling and hopefully i can keep going
0: talk to me about your game when you're on your best form what, what do we expect from seb quarter uh
8: i kind of just play an aggressive aggressive style of tennis and uh i keep a pretty calm head and uh and i kind of just enjoy myself when i play
0: you mentioned the great run of form you had um Talk to me about that because you know your first ATP final, what are your memories of the tournament?
8: Yeah, incredible. I mean I was playing uh, night matches every single time except for the finals and, and it was uh, the max capacity that they were allowed and it was a lot of fun. The crowd was great and I was playing some really good tennis and just really enjoying myself especially with my family there. It was, it was a really special week. What do you
0: remember of the final? Obviously it's a tough one for you to remember. but Yeah,
8: no I mean I, I still had a lot of fun and uh, against Hubie he's a, he's, a, he's a kind of a good friend of mine now. and. Uh, he played a really good match, and and uh, yeah, took a lot from it, and and uh, yeah, a lot of special memories there.
0: You mentioned your family, and I'm glad you did because I wanted to come on to that. Uh, we'll come on to your to your dad and the role he's played, but just in general, I'm guessing it was always destined to be a professional sportsman <laughs> of some kind.
8: Yeah, I mean, I, I played ice hockey was my main sport until I was basically 11 years old, but. Uh, but yeah, we have a, a great support in a, in our family, and uh, I think without if one of us wasn't there, it'd be a missing piece in the puzzle. And, and without with all the support that we have, it, it wouldn't be possible.
0: Just remind me what your sisters do, and what just what is everyone up to?
8: <laughs> my both of my sisters are uh, professional golfers on the LPGA, and uh, right now they're playing, or at least one of my sisters right now is playing a tournament in California, and then and then next week they're they're both playing a tournament in California again. So it's uh a lot going on for my parents. Busy weeks for them.
0: Is it true you've beaten
8: one of them at golf? Yeah, I, I played one tournament my whole life. It was kind of like a birthday party thing. I, I guess I like had the, some kind of shots or something, and, and I ended up winning the tournament somehow. <laughs> so that's my claim to fame.
0: Now let's talk about your dad, Peter Corder. Obviously, we all remember him as you know, former world number two. Um, how big a role has he played in your career?
8: Yeah, he kind of shapes everything. I mean, he. He is a great perspective, and and he helps me with with everything pretty much. He he kind of guides me in a way with what I should do, what I shouldn't do, and uh, and yeah, he's he's an incredibly big piece to my to my uh, to my progress in my career. So it's uh, without him, I, I wouldn't be here for sure.
0: He also sets the bar quite high I, in your family. I mean, is it pressure to live up to that?
8: No, my, both of my parents are so incredibly supportive and. And they're always, as, as long as we're happy and we're putting in hard work, then, then they're going to be happy as well.
0: I was wondering, in such a competitive family, how do you relax? What, what's
8: downtime? <laughs> well, it's downtime. Um, I don't know. With my dad, I play a lot of board games whenever I'm home. And uh, we play a lot of golf together. But, uh, but with my sisters, we kind of just hang out and, and do something. I don't know, something. Whatever, whatever's busy at home, we're, we're always doing something.
0: And how do you support each other in your professional careers?
8: I, mean, I get a text message pretty much before every single match from, from both of my sisters, and, and they're always watching whenever whenever they have time. I do the same. I, I always try to fire them up a little bit, and uh, and yeah, whenever I have the time, I'm I'm always watching them as well.
0: How much have you watched back at what your dad did? Have you watched much of that?
8: Yeah, especially growing up. I mean, I was I was glued to the TV. I was watching tennis, and and I would always find some stuff on on YouTube and. Uh, yeah, he's a, he was a fun player to watch for sure, and, uh, and yeah, he was special.
0: What do you make of his game?
8: Uh, I think our games are, are pretty similar. We both take the ball pretty early. We both hit pretty flat, and, and we try to control points with, uh, with, with the big hitting that we have.
0: And just finally, I, I know people talk about targets and things all the time, but he, he was obviously world number two. Um, how high does it feel like you can set your <laughs> heights right now, obviously I mean, being
8: so young? I'd love to beat him and be number one for sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure my dad was a game away from uh, from being number one in the world, and uh, yeah. So if I could be number one, that'd be that'd be pretty cool.
0: <laughs> that is it for this week. The tour now moves on to Europe's clay courts and the second Masters One Thousand of the year, the Rolex Monte Carlo Masters. We will be on the ground there for next week's podcast, and remember, we'll have live commentary every day from Monday, the 12th of April, on ATP tennis radio rafael nadal going for his wait for it 12th title at the stunning monte carlo country club i'm seb lozier thanks for listening enjoy the tennis